Blog Talk Radio. campaign is official and filed and recognized with the FEC. And within an hour, I was pulled over twice under very suspicious circumstances and got uh, almost all of it on video and ended up going and doing yeah, watched, 10 days I watched the in the video, county jail. But it, they never did. It, I didn't, like, follow through. What were the charges? Well... I don't know exactly what the charges are myself because I've yet to see them uh, on any kind of official paperwork from the government, but it's uh, something to do with drugs. Oh, because of the dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Which, Texas, the, the way they explained say. it to me is they don't, they don't, for anything related to drugs in Texas, they don't actually file charges until the lab tests come back, which is usually four or five months down the road. So they get to you know have a really abusive uh, bail bond system there 
and just take advantage of people. It's it's really pretty sad. Uh, but what I found after I got out, we had about a dozen messages from people who had gone through similar experiences in the same county, uh, some even with the exact same state trooper. And they, they have a really vicious shakedown racket there where they just, you know, anytime they pull people over, oh, smells like weed, oh, there's a shard of meth, oh, well, we'll get the dog. And what they're used to is if people record, then they say, oh, well, now you're definitely going to jail because they lock them up and then they erase the footage off their phones. And in my case, I was broadcasting live. And when they asked me unlawfully to stop filming, uh, I was able to press post and it got out immediately. And so I don't think they were expecting that. I don't think they really, uh, you know, knew who they were messing with here, but there's a, you know, there's a significant chance, you know, maybe 10% that this was all just a coincidence that it wasn't any kind of political persecution. And, you know, I just got unlucky and ran into, uh, you know, a really bad cop who was having a bad day. Did they treat your dog all right? Well, yeah, Baloo, it's it's the other funny thing. We got way more inquiries about whether Baloo was all right rather than whether if if I was all right. Uh, He seems like he's (laughs) way more popular than me. Now, Baloo is is a really amazing dog, and he's been through some – but some serious stuff with me. He was in my home in Virginia when I got raided in 2013, and I had a flashbang grenade thrown at him. So he's oh, he's a trooper. Shit. He survived some stuff with some police before, but this is the first time he got arrested himself, and he ended up doing uh, doing a night in doggy jail. But he got out okay. So if, yeah. if there's a 10% chance that this was just a coincidence, you know, then there's a 90% chance that this is some kind of setup or political persecution. And I've heard some crazy theories about it. Some people say that my opponent, Bill Weld, that's my opponent for the Libertarian Party nomination for president in 2020, that Bill Weld was uh, was behind it with his Department of Justice connections, because, you know, he used to be a government prosecutor and all that. Uh, or it was Donald Trump or someone near Trump mm. saying, oh, well, we got to we gotta squash this company. This guy is saying America doesn't even need a president. We can't let that message get out. Now, I don't have any reason to suspect it was that. But on the other end of the spectrum of the, the more uh, less sinister side, I guess you could say, is that it, it, the most plausible theory seems to be that the, the officer who pulled me over the first time, who I, of course, took the opportunity to evangelize about the message of freedom – uh, you know, gave him a copy of my book. He probably took it, looked it up, and was like, "Hey, this guy is, this guy's an anti-cop activist. Uh, well, you should go bust him." And, and called it a head down the road. You know, be on the lookout for a big white RV, and that's yeah how it happened. But the thing is, if you watch the video, and I'm, I'm glad you watched the whole thing because you can you let me know what you think about this. But the one thing that's obvious from the video is that the second officer who pulled me over, Trooper Garcia, he knew when I got pulled over that I was going to leave in handcuffs one way or another. He was determined. Yeah. He had it that. It was like he, and, and he, he was, knew he's the guy that knew who you were. Yeah. 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 He's the and, guy that knew exactly And even if he didn't were. know who I was, like he knew, well, I mean, he, as in he didn't know my whole story, my whole background and what I'm doing. He knew that, that I was someone that there they was, had to yeah. arrest. Yeah. He knew there was a flag on you. Yeah. Yeah, and they, they and, and and one of the reasons you know this is because he was willing to violate so many procedural things and obvious Fourth Amendment things. Uh, the first thing, asking me to come to the vehicle, asking me to stop recording, um, asking me to put get get the owner of the vehicle 
on the phone because I'm not the registered owner of the vehicle, um, making making me wait uh, what, what is already an excessive amount of time for the dog to show up. There's a, a legal precedent that you can't just keep someone on the side of the road right. indefinitely. Yeah, it's, not like, and, it's not like the RV came up stolen, you know. Right, right, right. It's yeah, that, I mean, there's so many things. But even then, the worst part, the really the most egregious part, is that he had a drug dog sniff the vehicle and called it probable cause, even though my dog was inside the vehicle at the yeah, time that was, whining that at the was drug dog. The thing that was exactly the thing I noticed first was that he kept telling you very sternly, "No, no, leave the dog inside. No, don't bring him out. Yeah, leave him inside." <laughs> And I'm thinking the whole time he's yeah. saying that I'm like, okay, dude, that was way too obvious. You're now yeah. he must know that the other dog like fucking gets excited when other dogs are around, and he's like, yeah, we can totally say that this was the dog telling us that uh, there's something in there when when we all know like your dog's probably right behind that door, and this dog is focused <laughs> on that door. So come actually, on. you know. It's it's funny. Not only do I have the video of me recording from my phone from the outside, but I have video from the inside. Uh, I set up my cameras. You can see in that video from the outside, from the, from me carrying my phone. I set up my camcorder as a backup in the RV and set it to record. And I had it pointed at the door, and you can see Baloo going and and whining at the door while the drug dog oh. is on the outside. And, uh, of course, you know, if they had nothing to hide, they wouldn't have turned off the camera. But they turned off my camera that was sitting there rolling as soon as they came in. So, right away, you know, they, they've, they've fully impeached themselves. And, really, they, there are no charges that they could throw at me from this that would stick. No. Yeah. Because, yeah. well, I mean, let's face it, if they did, you've already got them on record doing how many illegal things? I mean, this yeah. would hold well, up yeah, no matter well, what you hey, want. Hey, hey, hey. It's like like Richard Nixon said, you know, it's, well, if the president does it, that means it's not illegal. You know, it's like, well, if the cops do it, it has to be legal. I don't, I don't expect them to get in much trouble. I am going to pursue every lawsuit that I possibly can against them. But, yeah, it, they, 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 I can't say what they, they did is illegal. Cause I, don't, I, guess, I, guess that, it, I guess it is, the Fourth Amendment. That That's the Constitution. That That's the supreme me, law of the land. That leads me to a theory that maybe they're supporters, and they did that on purpose. <laughs> so you'd have grounds to sue them, so you'd get money for your campaign. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From yeah. the government. That's kind of far-fetched. <laughs> That's kind of far-fetched. <laughs> no, no, I know. I, I, well, some people, some people. I mean, one of the other conspiracy theories around this that's really interesting is that I engineered the whole thing. And you know, this is the day I announced. Oh, now, wow. when you announce that you're running oh. for the Libertarian Party nomination for president, that's not just not news. That's like anti-news. You know, if there was such a thing that that nobody yeah, wants, not, to, nobody makes cover that. You know, of course, like again, a lot of great independent. A rap album, or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, we've had a lot of press from independent media. I've been doing interviews every single day, and I really appreciate the opportunity to come on your show again, Bo. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it, it it normally would not be news. It would, you know, I I announced that I'm running for president, and it's official now, and I'm going for the LP nomination. You know, it's like me standing on a on a stage by myself. 
and you know trying to trying to go hey hey look at me look at freedom and then with this happening it's like all of a sudden a, a, a chorus line and an orchestra and you know a, a bunch of you know bears juggling chainsaws balancing on uh, unicycles you know comes around behind me and goes hey look at this guy and I just was able to magically recruit the Texas State Troopers and Wise County Sheriff's Office and, and, and the Wise County Jail and all of the, I mean, just like, oh, yeah, I'm such an evil genius. I was able to orchestrate this entire thing. It's just, it, it's it's hilarious. But, you know, and they're, they're, they're crazy they're things great actors. That. Yeah. I mean, that's, that would be the mo- probably the most, uh, you and your history with law enforcement, um, to say that you even could pull that off, I don't care how much money you have. It just doesn't make sense to me that you would hire, let's see, hang on. When they raided your house, there was, let's see, wasn't there like armored vehicles and helicopters uh, yep. aside from SWAT? So I don't even know how much all that stuff costs, but I'm pretty sure no one's allowed to <laughs> rent it. And yet they're going to be like, look, if ever anyone finds out that you rented this, you realize you're going, you're, we're all going down for a long time. <laughs> Um, so it'll be, yeah. I don't know, a billion, yeah. a billion dollars and we can pull this off and cover it up. Yeah. That, that's <laughs> tall order, man. That's tall order. I don't, I don't see them working with you on that. So now of course, traffic stop, probably much cheaper, but still, yeah. I think your reputation, <laughs> reputation precedes you on that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, I wish I wish I was that clever. I wish I was that clever and really could say that I just I set it all up. I mean, if I was, if I was that clever though, like, see, I, I have, you know, if if I may go back to like a bigger point in my campaign, right? Um, a, a lot of people say, Adam, you'll never win because they'll shoot you first. And my response to that is really simple. Well, hey, if I become that much of a threat, that's a good thing. And if they shoot me, they know it's worse for them because. It just means that more people will read my book, and their days are numbered that much shorter now. But I yeah, look at what I happened to say, when yeah, they shot him. I, well, I always he's say, become a huge symbol. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, he didn't have like a true political cause or philosophical manifesto out there, as, as I do with with the book Freedom. But if I were to, you know stage all of this. Well, anyway, when people tell me that, I say, you know, I have, that's not going to deter me at all. I've risked my life for far less worthy causes. And if they were to shoot me at this point, having already staked my claim, it would, it would just, you know, I mean, someone else would step up and run for president on the platform of resigning and dissolving the federal government without me. And that Here's would be great. I have, I, you know, well, yeah, that's the, the kick the bucket politics is, you know, Popular well, here's, Adam, here's what, here's what you say to them when when they're like, and, you know, they're, they'll probably shoot you. You turn to them and you go, yeah, you know that that's also one of the warnings they give you when you go into the military, and I did that too. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, I know that thousands of people do that all the time, and they are also told <laughs> that hey, you know, someone might shoot you when you join the military. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of the yeah. idea. Well, that's kind of <laughs> goes along with the territory. So. If, if I was staging all of this, I would have gotten shot. I would have told them, hey, shoot me in the shoulder. You know, or like, hey, shoot me, you know, shoot, shoot me in the leg. You know, shoot, me, least, the, shoot me in the foot. Tased, you know, and then I could say I've been shot by the cops. At least tased, right? 
Yeah, well, that's not the same thing. If I had gotten shot, if I so, but see, if I was really orchestrating this whole thing, if I was staging the whole thing, I would have I would have figured out a way to get shot somewhere that you know it's guaranteed to do minimal damage, like it get shot you know as a, a flesh wound across the shoulder or upper arm or something like that, or, you know, through in, in the thigh where I've got way too much meat on my bones anyway. And, you know, and, and then I could say I survived an assassination attempt. But so far right. I've only survived character assassination attempts, so I'm not that cool. <laughs> right, yeah. We all get that at and some point, I, was, I think. And I was just thinking, shoot you, taste the dog, that would get more sympathy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, dude, yeah, normally they the shoot dog, the dog oh, face the person. <laughs> I am surprised yeah. that they haven't shot your dog with as many dogs as they shoot. And honestly, you know what? That to me uh shows that they understand how bad of an idea it is to actually kill you. Because if they even yeah. killed your dog, they they've killed dogs and everybody knows that and everybody gets mad about it. Everybody oh, yeah. gets mad when they kill oh. dogs. Imagine if they killed your dog by raiding oh, him yeah. for bullshit. Oh my god! Oh my shit. dog's yeah, my dog's more popular so, than I am by far. So where, he's, he's where, way easier to get along with, way friendlier, better kisser. Where, where where are you guys headed to next on on your campaign here? Well, we're in Nashville right now, uh, Lebanon, Tennessee, actually just outside Nashville. We are here for the Tennessee State Convention of the Libertarian Party tomorrow, and let's see after this. We go to Colorado, Denver, and then I get to go to my dad's my dad's uh, third wedding, uh, and and be his best man for that first time oh, right on. for me. Um, so looking yeah, forward to that. And then, yeah. yeah, then the next weekend Oklahoma, and then Texas, and then we have a long drive from Texas across to California, making a stop just for a fun event in New Mexico in the Four Corners area on the way there. And then I get to go home for like a week. No, actually, no, I fly to Indiana. And then I get to go home for a week. And then it's uh, just back on the road again. And we got Ohio, South Carolina that next weekend. And New Where York. Where are you going to Ohio? Shoot, now I forget. Oh, I don't know. We were just there. We were just in uh, London, Columbus area. But uh, I can't remember where the state convention is. But it's going to be one of, you know, one of the big three cities. Oh, yeah, okay, one of the C's. Well, if it's Cleveland, I might yeah. be able to make it over there because that's only about an hour from oh. me, I think. What city are you in? Uh, I'm over by New York, Sandusky is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In that and general I'm area. Well, you couldn't come down to Cincinnati if you had to for a weekend? Oh, that's no. I'm I'm at the top and that's at the bottom. That's a long drive. Well, uh, there are roads. You know, there there are roads that connect hey, all the way hey, from Sandusky to Cincinnati. When are you coming to Vegas? Listen, I'm an anarchist. Am I, coming to Vegas? I fucking hate roads. Did you forget? <laughs> Anarchists hate roads. I, I want roads to die, all right? <laughs> They're my mortal Let's see, when am, I, when am I coming to Vegas? Um, I don't think I have any plans to be in Vegas. The Nevada State uh, Convention, I think it already happened. But let me see if I can pull up Ohio for you. And tell you where the Ohio State Convention is if I have that on my uh on my calendar here. No, but I can pull it up from my spreadsheet of uh, next to my roads, my spreadsheet with all of the uh state information for twenty eighteen. We are a very organized campaign here, so I can pull this up. 
Ohio, lp.org slash 2018 underscore LPO underscore convention, May 18, 19, and 20. Let's see. Let's say where it is. Worthington. Holiday in Worthington. Do you know? Okay, Columbus. Yeah. Okay. So Worthington, like I guess, hours. is the Columbus area. Um, yeah. So Columbus. That's middle. That's the middle of the state. You can make it. Yeah. This is this is this it. is. I know. I now. I know. I'm running for the 2020 nomination, and it's 2018. But. Uh oh. Now we're no, pushing for the libertarian takeover of the Libertarian Party. And in the obvious sense, it's a warm-up for us, right? We want all of our people, many of whom are new to the party, to get a sense of what's going on, to get a sense of the process, and to know what it takes to not get shut out, because that's been happening to our people in some of the states where we have to, you know, we have to fight the state party leaders, like in Arizona, in my home state, where a bunch of our delegates were disqualified in secret, without any notification or transparency about their process. So we See, that, want people to know. Wow. Undermining yeah, of the yeah. party or something, dude. Because the last time that you guys had a convention um, where you had all the major speakers up there talking, like, personally, dude, I couldn't believe that McAfee didn't get it with a landslide. Like, well, we had McAfee I endorsed on. McAfee. He was, he was my choice. Um, well, here's here's the thing. Last year, about 2016, the last national convention, there were, as as always, about a thousand seats for delegates. And at the start of the convention, a hundred of them were empty. And I don't mean the chairs; I mean the slots. And at the end of convention season, there was there were still about 200 of them empty, which means that. And, and Gary Johnson won the nomination on the second ballot with just 55% of the vote. And I don't mean to, to demean any of these fine gentlemen, but between McAfee, Pearson, and Perry, the three other serious campaigns, if any one of them just had one person on their staff who knew what they were doing with the delegate race and got people to show up to those conventions, then those seats would not have been empty and Gary Johnson would not have been the nominee in 2016. The reason I say all this is for you guys. Why I'm asking you and, and your audience to get involved with the Libertarian Party is that it's very easy to take it over. I have not heard a single complaint about the Libertarian Party that could not be completely solved by the person complaining showing up and doing something about it, even if it, it's that your complaint is that Gary Johnson was the nominee. If your complaint is that Gary Johnson was the nominee, well, if you had been there volunteering for one of these other campaigns, you could have changed that outcome. Because the anti-Johnson slate, they were were so unified on that point. We were chanting on the floor of the convention, uh, McAfee, Peterson, Perry, anybody but Gary. And yet Gary Johnson and Bill Weld won the nominations. And we are making sure that people know how to get involved, that they show up, that they get to be delegates in 2018 so we can bring about some important reforms in the party and replace some of the corrupt national leadership. Well, who, who are you looking at to be, like, some of your toughest competition? Well, it, right now it's really just Bill Weld, uh, who's getting ready to run in 2020. And, and I, I mean, I think he's 
I, I always underestimate government's ability to make things messy. That's always been my, my mistake as an activist, to expect government to be, you know, straight up and direct or straightforward in some way. And that's almost never the case, as, as you guys well right, know. Right, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, the government is just, you know, will will show up and you think they're going to just be, you know, jerks and, 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 you know, mean and assault you and steal from you and, you know, you know, you may be, be generally unpleasant people like that, but they seem to have uh, a bad habit of just taking a crap all over everything in their vicinity. And in that yeah. sense, I consider Bill Weld to be part of government. You know, he was a government employee for a long time. Like I said, former prosecutor, um, attorney, governor, uh, perpetual candidate in, in, in a number of races there in, uh, in Massachusetts, where he's from. And to hear him describe himself as the original libertarian is, is an offensive perversion of the yeah. word and the party. So it's it's really sad to see that, that he is uh, the main competition right now. But I, I don't think it's really that important because what we've done is drawn a line in the sand. And one of the things you know about this campaign that, that is fundamentally different is that I'm really genuinely not running to be president. The first thing I'm going to do is resign. In fact, the only thing I'm going to do as president is sign one executive order that includes my resignation, declares the federal government bankrupt and of no authority whatsoever, and initiates the peaceful, orderly, responsible process of dissolving it. So for Bill Weld to come and say, yeah, but I should be president, you know, we get this message out in front of the American people, and we're doing it already. It's game over for government, really. Once, once people are, are, are asked the question, does America really need a president? Do we need the federal government at all? Is it more of a burden than a benefit? The answer becomes very, very clear. So I, I don't really worry about Bill Weld. I think of him more as a foil. You know, it's, it, in fact, he's a very convenient one. Uh, if, we, if we had had, uh, you know, a good presidential candidate like Barry, uh, um, excuse me, like uh, Harry Brown or Michael Benarek, uh, who was the first person I ever voted for for president back in 2004, then, you know, I'd be running against someone who had that libertarian credibility and would be well-liked within the party. But Bill Weld is just universally hated within the LP. So it's, um, yeah, it's it's, very it, it makes it kind corrupted. of easy for me. You know, like if he's even involved at all, the fact that he's mm -hmm. even allowed to participate when everybody's like, you're a liar and not a fucking libertarian. You don't even know what it means. Yeah. How, how, why are you yeah. here right now? That's yeah, stupid. well, so, so uh, about that, to, they're just trying to so hijack again, I gotta say, Yes, show up to your state conventions. We're about a third of the way through convention season. Like I said, Ohio is still coming up. This is, this is why it's really important that we show up and we defend this platform. We make sure that we don't have another washed-up Republican as the nominee of the Libertarian Party in 2020. And a lot of people who look at this, if you know the, the, some of the drama and accusations around the Gary Johnson campaign of financial mismanagement or impropriety or a lot of money going to Ron Nielsen, and it might have all been entirely you know, legal and more or less straight up, but that there was some corruption there in the sense of people getting paid way too much for doing way too little work. And... In, in that sense, people might look at this and say, oh, well, it's just 
that's just a few million dollars at stake. It's not that big a deal. It couldn't possibly be, you know, a whole lot of corruption around all of this. But when you realize how powerful the libertarian message is when properly articulated, I mean, you know, just in the last three election cycles, we've had Bob Barr, Gary Johnson, Gary Johnson, and Bill Weld. And you go, well, geez, the, the times when the American people have been most receptive to hearing the message of freedom, they instead got this, you know, wishy-washy Republican light crap. And if you realize that, oh, wow, yeah, it really is that much at stake. If we just got one person nominated for the LP for president who could actually carry the message nationally, it's game over for government entirely. It means this, the, the whole house of cards is at stake. It's not, it's not millions of dollars or tens of millions of dollars or billions of dollars. It's trillions of dollars at stake. Of course yep. they're going to mess with the Libertarian Party. And they don't have to assassinate people like they used to. In fact, they probably couldn't get away with it as much you know, anymore, uh, you know, like COINTELPRO did in the 60s and 70s with the anti-war movement and the Black Panthers. But they can really just they can take over the party. They can render it ineffective. They can fill it with plants and moles and insiders and make it impossible to uh to get a libertarian nominated to represent the libertarian party and i i i, I i'm very confident that they're not going to be able to get away with this for much longer and it's because people like you care about this message enough yeah. to drive all the way from sandusky and, and they, to columbus and show up and make a difference <laughs> they, they underestimate libertarians Right. Well, and they, they underestimate do. our willingness to defy. Yeah. Uh, that's really the thing is like, um, I, I think Scott and I preach noncompliance a lot. Like, really, mm-hmm. if you really want to get something done, in uh, mass, if you just don't comply and you just go, no. Uh, and if you get enough people to do that, oh my God, things change fast. Because pretty soon the numbers look like, okay, well, we can't move a wall with a shopping cart, you know? Yeah. So, yeah you know, I've, I've always been an advocate of that, and I've been a practitioner of that. I think I've been, uh, you know, a decent example of that in, in my public life and, and in my private life as well. But, you know, there, there is a limit to that. And, and I will say that it can have some incredibly powerful effects, and it, it, it really – noncompliance – is the ultimate check on government power. Not the Second Amendment, not guns. It's not you're going to shoot back to a larger military force. That's kind of silly. Yes, I think the Second Amendment is an important, legitimate, righteous means we're defending ourselves against government. Right, but but the the nonviolent means uh, of noncompliance, of just withdrawing your material support, going galt, if you will, that's even more effective. The Gandhian uh, approach to civil disobedience in that sense. But there is also a limit to this because while we can, and, and I always cite the Syrian crisis here where uh, Obama tried to get boots on the ground in Syria. I guess I have to call it a war now to, to give it its due. But uh, Obama was trying to get boots on the ground in 2013 when I was in jail and I got to watch this uh, unfold on the front page of the, the Washington Post from, from my cell. The reason that Obama wasn't able to put boots on the ground in Syria was that the military started to revolt. And, you know, just very subtly in comparison to what we've seen in the past where guns are drawn. But on social media, they drew up little placards that said, I did not enlist to fight for al-Qaeda in Syria. I did not. And then it was a lot of spouses. I do not want my husband to die fighting alongside terrorists. 
And Obama yeah. knew that if he had pushed it, that there would have been a legitimate grassroots movement from the military resisting that. However, in the bigger picture of government itself, noncompliance is not going to end the institution. Now, I'm an agorist. No. I, you know, I believe in you know, practicing uh, that, that withdrawal of material support, counter-economics, barter, cryptocurrencies, of course, very important in getting rid of the money racket of government. And I think getting, getting that away from them is going to be huge. And, and you might say that that's more important, that that sets the stage. But, 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 I always ask people who try to, try to prove me wrong on this, how many Americans, by percentage of the population, voted in the first American constitutional presidential election? And the answer is, you guys know this one? No, actually. I don't remember that one. Less, it was less than 2%. And it was white <laughs> wow. landowning males, generally, most places, who were the only ones allowed to vote. And the government didn't say, oh, shucks. I guess we don't have a mandate. We better go home. No, they said, screw y'all. We're still the government. So even if you had 95% of the American population understand voluntarism and they withdrew their material support for government and they said, this is, this is crap. If the other 5% said, yep, well, we believe in government. We're going to keep paying taxes. We're still going to give the government half our income. We're going to hire men with guns on behalf of government to go around and point them at you and take stuff from you and control you. The taxes. The biggest noncompliance act you could do is to withdraw from taxes completely. Yep. Completely across the board. That that doesn't have to be illegal. You can do it. Yeah, you can do it totally legally by by changing your lifestyle. Right. And I think. Well, and on top of that. I mean, they've never really the whole like income tax thing has never successfully gone to court and been proven hands down. It's always been messy and wishy-washy, and there's been you know like nobody's ever nailed it down and figured out. Yes, see, here is where it says you absolutely have to do it, and it's legal. Blah 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 blah. That's that's actually not happened. Which is, it's weird because there's been so many people that do go to court and you're like, oh, great, it's finally going to get nailed down. Show me the law. And we'll figure this no, out. of course not. And then, and then yeah. they never, for some reason, it never makes it to the final stage of court and just something else happens and somebody serves time and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, what the or fuck happened there? They settle for half mm-hmm. the money or a third of the money and, you know, 10 cents on the dollar or whatever. Like Wesley settle. Snipes, wasn't that Wesley Snipes deal? He was he he was one of the folks that was like, yeah, fuck this shit. You don't have to pay income tax, and then they got him <laughs> somehow. Yep. Because I guess he didn't have a good yep. enough lawyer, and I don't think any lawyer wants to really tackle that one. Um, I think I think it kind of damages their livelihood. Like if they win against the government on taxation. Then They're not part of the cool kids club anymore. Yeah, I think like it it really damages you as a reputation, and you're like, ah, I get a lot of work from the government. I don't think I should do this, or something like that. Well, remember, sure. if you're a lawyer, essentially, from for most lawyers, all of your work comes from the government one way or another. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So you need the government. That's it's your job. Yep. So. Anyways, um, 
But like the income tax thing, like Scott and I have said many times, if you just file tax exempt, I mean, you don't pay taxes that mm-hmm. year. Then, mm-hmm. of course, they're going to audit you. But if everybody did it, uh, you're they're yeah. done. That's, Over. That's the thing. If you could get like, like you said, only twenty percent. Well, if you could just take a twenty percent chunk out of that, they'd they'd notice. They don't, they don't have the manpower go, to go after that. Yeah, they would immediately be like, "What the fuck? We have to close our doors. We can't do this." <laughs> well, you know, there there have been a lot of attempts to do something like that. There have been a lot of efforts to say, and I've done some myself. I mean, I've promoted tax resistance. Uh, I mean, even back when I was in the, the heyday of the anti-war movement and, you know, a leading public figure in that to say, look, you really are against the war. Stop paying taxes. There's this quote from Vietnam from, I think it was Haig, one of Nixon's assistants who said uh, about a big protest going past the white house, they can protest all they want as long as they keep paying their taxes and people are afraid. People won't do that. People won't step up. So I think it's incumbent upon us as libertarians to say, let's make it as easy as possible for you. All you have to do is vote. All you have to do is band together to withdraw the political consent for the system. And it all goes away because at this point in human history, the relationship with the government and their enforcement class, cops and soldiers. Remember, for government to exist as a government, as we know it, it has to have people who are willing to point guns at peaceful people for money. And in order for them to feel that they are doing that legitimately, they have to have the consensus, the consent that comes through voting to be able to do that. You know, it, it used to be that you didn't have to do that, right? Like in back, back when there were kings and queens and you know, royalty ruled the land, if they just paid people, they paid their knights to go collect taxes, to go harass peasants, to do whatever, like there wasn't like any moral expectation that they're going to come up with a good excuse for them. No, you just, I'm the king because God said so. Go go do it. Here's your money. You got a piece of the money. My my buddy uh, I know has a take on it that, uh, hey, this, this system was put in place before I was even born, and I never agreed to it. Yeah. Yeah, that's the social government contract debt, argument. Yeah, government debt is intergenerational child abuse because you are forcing people to pay for things that they never even had a say in. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad we're all on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty it's rare. because normally, you, you know, you get three liber. Or if, any any time you get two libertarians. To weigh in on an issue, you're going to get three different dissenting opinions. Right. <laughs> um, what was I going to say about the tax thing? Um, oh shit! Nah, damn it. We went on too long afterwards, and I forgot what I was going to. I was going to add to it. And I was thinking about it, but I don't remember now. Lost my train of thought. All right. Well, anyways. Um, so these conventions that you're going to, what happens at them? Exactly. Well, there's there are a few pieces of business that. Hello. Yeah, we hear it. Okay, so at, at a Libertarian Party state convention, there are a few general pieces of business, and and in in years where we have national conventions coming up, the most important one is selecting delegates to represent the state. 
at the national convention. And that's what I'm really focused on is getting our people to get there and get involved and make sure that they have a, you know, they have a way to participate and, and be acknowledged and recognized as delegates if they want to go to the national convention. They also generally nominate candidates for state offices, sometimes for local offices as well. It depends on the state, depends on the state organization. But for example, when I was in uh, Pennsylvania, they had a formal, you know, every candidate has to come up and go through this nominating process and be grilled by the membership. And it was, it was a lot of fun. It was, you know, great supportive. They have three amazing candidates for uh, governor, lieutenant governor, and, and U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania this round. And uh, in some states, it's just they, you know, they have uh, a primary process and they don't have to do that. In some states, they, you know, if, if, if it's uncontested, they don't even bother. Uh, depends on the, the state government and what their requirements are for, for uh, you know, sometimes for small parties or whatever they call them, independent parties or third parties or minor party status parties, whatever they do to demean the libertarians or anybody who's challenging the duopoly. And then there's just the general party stuff, you know, new business, old business. You usually have reports from the officers. The, the state chair will give a report and say everything, you know, give a summary of what's happened in the last year with the party and the vice chair and the secretary and the treasurer usually do reports as well. And then there's mixers and galleries. I'm actually at a party right now. Excuse me? Who pays all these people? Most of them are volunteers. In fact, in state parties, pretty much all of them uh, are volunteers, all the, the, the officers and uh, executive committee members. And, and, of course, the candidates are all volunteering. So, yeah, I mean, it really is amazing that the party comes together like this. In a handful of states, they, they raise enough money to hire one person as an executive director full-time for that state. And I, I think really every state should be at that level at this point. It's kind of – uh, sad that we don't have more momentum and financial support behind the Libertarian Party. I would love to see well, by actually, it's every kind of single state. Wouldn't you say it's more of a testament to the Libertarian Party that they can even do all oh, of this yes. at all voluntarily with no money going to these people? Oh. Because if you look oh, at yeah. if you look at the the duopoly, none of, no shit gets done without money. I don't care what it is. Ordering fucking pencils for the office doesn't get done if people aren't paid, <laughs> you know. So yeah. it, oh, yeah, this it's, is amazing, actually. Oh yeah. To say that oh, you yeah. guys it do is, this it is fundamentally different that way in the Libertarian Party. That's good, man. That means that they uh, they stand by their values. Absolutely. That's amazing. They get that shit step done. Up. Yeah. Well, um, oh, I remember what I was going to ask you. So, like, for other anarchists who, because um, anarchists are stubborn folk, and uh, you, you're not going to get them to vote, right? That's the hardest thing to do. Is once you, once well, you, hold on, hold, hold on a second. I, oh, I, I, I totally dis. I gotta, I gotta totally disagree with that premise right there. Now, you have to define anarchists, and and there are a few definitions, of course, but the most direct one from the meaning of the word is no rulers. That people should right. not no, have rulers. Yeah. yeah, and that I've never heard a definition of libertarian except from Bill Weld, and he's the outlier here, that includes the idea that we should have rulers. Pretty much everybody who is a libertarian is, is a no-rulers kind of anarchist. So those terms are really synonymous, and, and I think the, the separating of the word anarchist is just to say somehow not libertarian is, is, a, is well, a real 
bad, silly way to, to, to artificially divide the movement. I think the thing is, is like the days of Ron Paul that we had with the Republican Party, a lot of people got the idea that he was more of the libertarian candidate. Um, mm-hmm. And so they got the idea that he stood for what a libertarian was, which, I mean, he, he kind of does, but um, – and he's got well, a great well, idea. Well, well, I, I interviewed Ron Paul back in 2011 when I had uh, the TV show in D.C., and Ron Paul said that he was a voluntarist. And, you know, he, he believes in the ideal and, and even back then believed in the ideal of a voluntary society. Now, he did advocate for the Constitution as a matter of policy, but for him it was just a way to get there. So, in a sense, he, you know, libertarians, when, when we talk about, you know, political policy, you know, we have different things that we advocate for, different priorities, different ways of transitioning to a voluntary society. What I propose, instead hey. of trying to get the, the federal government back to a specific vision, is to localize government, to take it apart from the top down and eventually get it local to the communities. And we don't have to argue exactly. about what the right. role of government is, just that it should be voluntary. I mean, uh, you could say an anarchist believes in no government, but an anarchist, by, by any we're gonna day, get, honest definition... We're going to get disconnected here any second. This has been a great show. Okay. Um, and what you just ended on there is perfect. So, hey, thanks for coming on. We're just getting to the fun stuff. (laughs) I know, I know. This should be like a three-hour show. But, all right, we're going to get disconnected any second. But uh, thanks for coming on, dude. Um, Hopefully I'll see you there. Uh, If I can make it, I will make it. Uh, I don't know what's going to be going on in my life at that time. But a two-hour drive is much better than a four-hour drive. So it's a lot easier for me to swing. (laughs) But well, um, then you right, got to drive so, to New Orleans also for national. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's I've never been to New Orleans, so who knows, man? I don't even know what's going on in my life then, so we'll see, we'll see. But uh, right. thanks for coming on. Thank it's you, gentlemen. A lot of fun. Well, yeah, I think we got a lot. Yeah, let me get my so, last plug in. I'm sorry, ahead. the audio keeps cutting in and out, but um, if people want to go find what I'm doing. The website is thefreedomline.com. You can find kogeshforpresident.com through there, but the main website, thefreedomline.com. You can get my book, Freedom, for free in every digital format, including audiobook. All right. Excellent. All right. Well, let's end it there. Um, I don't know. You know, they've been doing this thing where sometimes they cut us off and they don't tell us on the phone. Usually they tell us on the phone. But <laughs> anyways, we'll end All it right. there just in case. So, Good show. We'll talk to you later, Adam. Thanks, gentlemen. All right. Good night.